We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back try from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host brian marceau and i'm joined today by producer extraordinaire dallas hammer just like the good old days from uh, instant reaction to last season's basketball episodes dallas you can't be doing worse than you typically did when it's been just you and me on the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, instant reaction to a huge blowout victory is not something I'm ready for. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. I got to tell you, man, I am not necessarily prepared for that either. But I got to tell you, man, if we're going to have this show paid for by Hughes River Expedition, who is bringing you guys around the bar... We're going to figure out how to do it, so let's just get started. Idaho hosts hated rival Simon Fraser, formerly Simon Fraser clan. Now they're the Simon Fraser kind of cute maple leaves. I, I know they don't have a name, but that's what's on their helmet. So they're, they're the cute maple leaves in my eyes at this point. Idaho wins 68-0 to in a game that was in question for – I don't – I'm not going to say it was even a question for a second of gameplay. I'm going to say that before the coin flip, like there might've been a question of like, you know, some places around the nation have had issues with architectural integrity. Like maybe the Kibbe Dome collapses and we don't win because the game's not played, but uh, barring disaster uh, game, not really in question whatsoever. A couple of big stats. Idaho rushes for seven touchdowns on the way to 68 points. One short of just being a real nice win uh, at the quarterback. C.J. Jordan goes 7-12 for 161 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Beaudry goes 10-15 for 116 yards, no touchdowns. Zach Borish played, but he was essentially running back, didn't throw a single pass. Uh, again, it was a blowout. It was ugly if you're from Simon Fraser. Dallas, what is the story of pitching a shutout today? I mean, the first bit of the story is that I was dead wrong in thinking that there was even a chance this game would be competitive for any moment of time. The most competitive this game was, was that first drive. I think SFU had two first downs on it. They moved fairly well. I was like, Oh, they, they came to play. And that was immediately over six minutes later. Um, The story is at least we have something to feel good about the, this was a D2 team that like we had mentioned with, uh, with Trent Buck Cowan, 70 to 7 the last time they played a big sky school. So this was supposed to be a bloodbath. We got a bloodbath. It's a game to feel good about that Idaho had a couple of issues. Obviously, uh, turnovers were not great, uh, but a game to mostly feel good about in just about every phase of, of football. I'm going to say this game, Dallas, and what we talk about, it's all about the eye test. Because here's here's a couple stat lines that listeners are just gonna know, gonna know if you didn't watch if you watch the American know this, but if you didn't watch the watch the game, Idaho finish with, finishes with 593 total yards. Simon Fraser finishes with 90 total yards. 
somehow they got nine first downs. I accept that happened. I don't buy it. By the way, Simon Frazier uh, led time of possession, 32 minutes, 57 seconds to Idaho, 27 minutes, three seconds, but we won 68 to zero. That tells you we scored when we wanted to, and Simon Frazier just kept getting the ball back. So to me, any takeaways are all eye test. That's it. Meaning who popped, who didn't. And what I'm going to start start with first, who popped, CJ. Um, CJ Jordan, quarterback, if he's going to be good, obviously he needs to kill a team like Simon Frazier. But in terms of eye test, he moved real well when he could scramble. His accuracy was great. His arm strength was great. If he Really, he looked like the same guy we saw against Southern Utah last year except he played a team that is much worse than Southern Utah. So he got to look like Vernon Adams. Now I know the stat line isn't gigantic, but we weren't really even that aggressive offensively and scored 68 points. Um, If we pass the ball more easily, we could put up more points. But my first takeaway I test is I don't think this can be a competition. This quarterback competition has got to be over, man. Um, Zach Boris didn't get to throw. I think Honestly, I think it's kind of dumb that we're even doing the Zach Boris thing if we're not going to give him a sh- if he doesn't get a shot to pass at all, because he our line's not going to be strong enough against Montana State for Montana State and Montana to know Boris is going to run for that to mean anything. So, I mean, like Zach Boris, he's a great athlete. I, I feel like it, it's kind of a waste to have him at court. If he's not going to throw against Simon Fraser, he's not throwing against anyone. So, at this point. The job should just be CJ's in my mind. He popped. I mean, Bojer's fine, but CJ looked again like he could be just great, Dallas. Yeah, and that's. I mean, there's a, a handful of points I want to hit on there. First off, uh, profanity incoming in probably five seconds, so just be prepared for that, listeners. I'll give you a couple seconds. The boorish thing is bullshit. If you're gonna throw him out there, let him throw the goddamn ball, like. This worked against Simon Fraser that you you trot him in, and it's a bunch of D two athletes. They they can't stop a kid like Borish. But you try lining up against Montana or Montana State with that, they're not going to be scared about the kid that's trotting in that we've seen throw twelve passes in his three games. They're, let him throw the ball. And let's see what happens. If you're actually trying to get a feel for the quarterbacks, let the guy throw the ball. Um, but you, you hit it on the head. CJ Jordan absolutely looked like the guy. Um, if Borsch isn't going to get a chance to throw the ball, this contest is over. Uh, Beaudry was fine. Um, again, Jordan had considerably more yards, but he did have the 71 yard broken play to Hatton. Um, Beaudry, we saw most, much of the same stuff. The accuracy is really hit or miss. There was a, it seemed like maybe the wrong route was run in the end zone. He overthrew a guy by about five yards flew it way over his head. Uh, and then in the next quarter he played, he shot a laser right through the end zone, completely missed the receiver. Like there's, there was just the accuracy issues. We we've no, we've kind of come to see, but CJ looked like the most explosive. I mean, Borish was more explosive obviously, but Jordan moved really well, had nice touch. It made me feel optimistic about Idaho football, even with the opponent being who they were. I felt very optimistic seeing CJ move around. There were a couple plays that I, I'm sure he would like to have back. I remember him uh, overthrowing a receiver and clapping his hands, like obviously trying to get himself together. Uh, the fumble was not great. Need to probably work on the ball security if you're getting stripped by D2 athletes. But again, 
I think you hit the nail on the head. This contest is over. Uh, if Borish isn't going to get the chance to throw, Jordan is unquestionably better than Beaudry at this point. Yeah, rushing stats. Uh, CJ Jordan rushed uh, six times for 63 yards. Uh, Mike Beaudry and Zach Borish had identical stat lines of um, eight rushes for 48 yards yeah. each. Just a m- minor context when you said more explosive. You're, you're referring to Zach Borish being a more explosive ru- runner. Yes, exactly. You're, um, right. And he, he does look like. He does look like a great runner, but um, in terms of quarterback play, like I mean, we're we're not going to win with what we're letting Zach with what we see out of Zach Borish, and also just snap count wise, um, he didn't get that many. I think he only got eight snaps. That was it. So I think that should let listeners know at this point, uh, unless we have injury issues, which we very well may, but unless we have injury issues, it's the question is CJ or Mike, and to me, I test. Uh, CJ definitely wins. Mike would be a great backup for a lot of teams. Um, if that's your backup, that's you know you're probably okay with that. He can. Mike's a surprisingly good rusher still, um, but CJ is more accurate. Um, CJ actually looks like he gets more zip on the ball too. So to me, yeah, the eye test that part's over. Uh, we're in agreement there. The other eye test receivers. Control Haywood, I don't even know if he played today. Dallas, did he play today? I, I didn't see him catch ball. I, I didn't, I didn't see, see him on the field once, uh, which is, is very weird for a guy that's obviously played a ton the last two seasons plus whatever you want to call the spring season. I call it a full season. Some don't. The last three seasons, we've seen a decent amount of Haywood and nowhere. I didn't see him on the field once. But yeah, the reason I bring that up is we did get to see Therese Trainer. And Makai Stevenson, those of the of guys who logged receptions against Simon Fraser, those are the two new names. And their stat lines were not that impressive. Uh, Trez Trainer, three catches, 25 yards. Makai Stevenson, two catches, 22 yards. But eye test wise, uh, Lord, did Trez Trainer pass the eye test? Uh, being tall, being athletic, uh, even actually had he had a what I thought was a catch, it was ruled incomplete. But it was a pretty tough pass. I think it was from CJ. Mike, I don't know. I think it was from CJ. But um, my reaction was, dang, that's a catch. He didn't come down with it. He got hit on the way down. But it was an example of eye test of Paul wasn't wrong when he said we we have some receivers like we haven't had in a couple of years. So I'm not going to spend much time on control, but it's more to say we know control solid. We're having to have a dude like control on the team. Therese Trainer, Makai Stevenson look like they're upgrades. Absolutely. And again, I try to take a lot of this with a grain of salt. Uh, This is a Simon Frazier team that has won two games since 2015. Uh, They obviously had, they did not play last year. I think there was a good amount of rust there. Interim coach in his first game. This, this couldn't have been better situation for, for Idaho. Uh, So that's, that's the one thing to take in mind there. These guys were definitely playing an inferior opponent. So that's one thing I like to keep in mind, but Stevenson looked explosive as hell on the punt return. Like you said, trainer was fantastic. And we have just been joined by the man of the hour, Chris Hammond. Chris, how are you doing? I'm just like uh, wishing my back half of these bets were as good as my first half of these bets, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but so, how, hey, how about those vandals? Big win. Big win. I think I'm the only one that had us over 45 points. So uh, yeah. uh, we, we, we didn't hit my 80, but the offense looks damn good. Defense shut him out. I mean, doesn't mean shit if Simon Frazier, but, you know, it's positives, right? 
Oh yeah. I mean, that's what we were talking about, Chris. I don't know if you caught the first few minutes. Our takeaway was because we killed, we destroyed Simon Fraser in all facets. This was an eye test game of who popped. Um, what we, 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 we talked about CJ and Mike. Uh, we were just talking about the receivers, uh, particularly Tres trainer uh, from what you saw, Chris, anyone else who popped? We haven't, we haven't talked about yet. No, I mean, as a team, right? Like we talked about it, you're going to see a lot of rotation in this game. Um, it's good to see like guy, new guys like trainer, everything get those reps. Um, but like I said, I think in our pregame show, my biggest concern was our defense. Not necessarily how good they were, but the rotation. Um, so being able to see that even while rotating guys up 68 zip, you know, we're, we're able to hold that zero, I think is huge. Because like I said, you know, we have a really good front seven. That front seven is getting old. Uh, so seeing some of the younger guys be able to get that playing time, um, seeing that younger quarterbacks get in. CJ had a fucking game, uh, you know, good for the future, right? And I'm, I'm not going to stay on the whole time. I just, you know, I saw the group chat and saw you guys were going live and figured I'd give my, my little two cents because I'm a, I'm a little buzz, boys. Uh, but really? um, You sure? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you guys have been texting. The listeners don't know. <laughs> but, hey, it was a good game. 68 zip. They didn't hit my 80, so it's a letdown for me. I want better. I need more, and we'll talk about it next week on my end. Yeah, we'll. Uh, and also, just listeners, we've had some group chats about the Big Sky FBS success. We're gonna hit that in the main show because yep. uh, that's a. I think that's a pretty big deal in contextualizing yep. Idaho. Well, I mean, contextualizing Big Sky in Week One. It's because it? it's a damn good week for the Big, big Sky. Sky. Big Sky's what three and three right now against the FCS or FBS this week. Yep, wins Montana beats UW, Eastern beats UNLV, UC Davis beats Tulsa, uh, Southern Utah loses to Arizona State, Montana State barely loses to Wyoming. I'm sure there's one more off the top of my head. I can't. Yeah, and the and the Cougs of the Palouse are struggling against Utah State, but uh, you know, I I'm just saying we'll leave it for next week. We got a big conversation, but Idaho versus Indiana. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a good call to leave it. I'm just saying. So uh, good to have Chris on there. That was a mic drop from Chris. For anybody listening to this audio, Chris just left. He said, I'm just saying and dropped out. I'm going to say Chris is really damn proud of that Idaho score prediction. And he should be. He was the closest. There are other picks we could talk about, but I would rather give him shit in person. Dallas, I just filibustered you. We talk about the receivers. Go. I So... I actually wanted to pivot. I thought the running backs. Now, again, you have to take this with a grain of salt because. Huge fucking grain with the, the running backs. The offensive linemen were 75 to 100 pounds larger than some of the Simon Fraser kids. And they had little to no depth on that team. There were maybe 50 kids out there. I don't, I don't think it was even that. Uh, so you have to take this with a grain of salt. But. Uh, Roshan looked good other than he, he did fumble. Uh, he fumbled when he got hurt. Uh, if you went back and looked at the tape, that ball came out, they somehow missed it, I guess. Uh, and then CJ fumble and the, what, two plays later. So it, it didn't end up mattering, but, uh, Roshan looked pretty good. 
Uh, Elisha Cummings looks fast as hell. That was great. It was awesome to see Andre Carter back. Uh, looks like he's a little bit bigger than he was, so I'm not sure if he's playing into shape or if he's going to be used as as the the absolute bruiser. He only, uh, I think, he only had the one carry for one yard, or it was a like a shovel from Borish. But uh, overall, the running the running game looked fantastic, as you can see. 333 gained yards, 316 total, and honestly, that 14 yards we lost on the Borish was a snap over his head. So, realistically a ton of yards from the, the backs tonight. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I, I I can't wait to see Elisha Cummings play more because he did, he, he looks so fast out there. And, and again, grain of salt when the holes are so large that you aren't getting touched for eight yards, it's a little bit more different than what we're going to see against Indiana or UC Davis in the next couple of weeks. Which means I have to issue a stat correction. I know we said that Beaudry and Zach Borish rushed for the same amount. You are correct. Uh, Borish lost 14 yards on the snap over his head, so they did not rush for the same amount. Borish, for all intents and purposes, rushed seven times for 62 yards, which is good. Um, my take on the running backs is we can take nothing away from this whatsoever. I don't think anyone popped in a way that is unique. Um, I think we continued to see Roshan be a power rusher, but I mean, we saw him in the spring be a power rusher and not be that effective because the line needs to hold up. So I'd say we don't have evidence on the line. Uh, Nick Romano didn't get that many touches, um, but part of that's because we had um, Elijah Cummings does look fast. So, yeah, he popped. Um, and then, yeah, sorry, we're, we're not – I'm not trying to talk about Zach Borch a thousand times because we have other things to talk about, of course. It's just an interesting topic. He's a good runner. I don't, I don't get what we're doing. Um, seems like waste time, but, uh, as far as running backs overall, we weren't that great rushing the ball in the spring. So I'm taking nothing away from this, uh, other than that our physicality is too much for Simon Frazier, but it's good that our physicality is too much. We talked about my next takeaway. We needed a good day for the Vandals. We have two bye games coming up against, um, power five teams. Indiana next week, Oregon State the week after. We have a bye week, and then we travel to UC Davis, who right now has a better FBS record than University of Washington, guys. Uh, that that's a law. That's a rough slate to start the year, including a bye week mixed in there. So Idaho needed to come out of this game without there being any question that. Idaho not only dominated the game, but gave fans reason to say, okay, well, like there are some positive parts about this game. I, I saw us dominate a novel team. So now like, I'm going to choose to ignore what the power five games look like. That's not going to impact my, my demeanor whatsoever. Uh, we, we did that Dallas. I wasn't prepared for how bad Simon Frazier was. Maybe Chris was. Um, I actually felt bad for Simon Frazier during this game and was starting to want them to get points just, because it was, it was embarrassing. Um, but like, not embarrassing, like, I don't mean that in a mean way. They were outclassed, which as a Vandal, you should be happy because that's what you're going to walk away with. Hey, if we're good, we should be able to outclass teams that aren't very good. But, oh, man, dude, Simon Frazier, that, that felt like a cancel a program kind of game, dude. Yeah, that was that was really rough. And it, it was tough that we also happened to be sitting around most of the Simon Frazier family that traveled. So you almost towards the end started to feel bad for, like, these grandparents that are sitting there in custom t-shirts with like the player's name and grandparent on it. And we're sitting here and it's like, Oh, you had five total yards in the first half. This is great as a vandal, but it did towards the end. It got you know middle of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, like, Oh, 
you guys aren't going to do anything. And this is maybe not as much of a statement of Idaho turning a corner as it is Simon Frazier is just that bad. Again, yeah, my big, two, two wins in six years. My biggest takeaway from Simon Frazier, the most interesting thing about that football team today, they have a woman kicker. Her name's Christy Elliott. Now, it's she didn't get a shot to kick because you probably need to have football somewhere within 700 yards of your end zone or the end zone if you're going to kick. But the most interesting thing was the Simon Frazier team seemed to shun Christy Elliott the entire game. As in, like, everyone on Simon Frazier talked to everyone on Simon Frazier except Christy Elliott uh, sat. I mean, she stood. You know, she did her warm-up stuff. She tried to stay warm. But most of the team appeared to not really acknowledge her the entire game. And I honestly, while we're waiting, while we're killing them, when Simon Fraser has the ball, we know it's going to be three and out. I honestly spent more time watching like, okay, is someone going to talk to her? Is someone going to smile? I thought Canadians were nice. What the hell is wrong with Simon Fraser? I mean, it wasn't always a three and out because they did intentionally take a safety at the beginning of the second quarter. So I do want that on the record. If anybody didn't watch this game and is just listening to us talk about it, at the beginning of the third quarter, when it's 21-0, they are punting out of their end zone. Punter's heels are just in front of the back line. He takes the snap and sits there and looks and then just takes two steps backwards and hands the ball to the official. I've never seen that before. And and they had a couple punts that were... 40 yards in the air, 50 yards in the air. That it was like, oh, you could have at least kicked that to close to midfield. That was that team. It was that was so strange. The I tried to chalk it up that they didn't speak to the female kicker because you know they're they're kickers, they're weird, they've got to be like in their headspace. So she was just practicing yeah. her field goal for them the entire time. So maybe I mean that would have been the highlight of their season, probably putting three points on a division one school, but just from start to finish just a, such a weird a weird thing and that's i think that that boils down to kind of my overall point of this game this was fantastic for idaho we absolutely blew the doors off and we needed to but it might be more of a statement on just how bad simon fraser is rather than how good idaho has magically become yeah i just looked up to see if simon fraser is some weird religious sect uh university that would explain why I don't know you can't get within seventy-five feet of uh, another of a person of the opposite sex you're not married to. They're a public university, so uh, yeah, I don't know what to say except like I, I think if any fan paid attention, like I, I'm not making this up. This isn't a joke. It was weird uh, to see the way she was treated being separate. Um, and the reason I'm saying that's most interesting is again Simon Fraser was awful. My other quick eye test eye test takeaways: we learned nothing about. Uh, changes in our D line or our linebackers because Simon Fraser was awful. If we're if we're good at all, we should kill them, and we did. So that just tells you that we didn't magically go from best run defense in the spring to terrible there, which good, I guess. Um, secondary, the Simon Fraser had a couple times where you know they they executed well, got guys open for half a second. Their first drive, I was terrified our, uh, that we were going to learn our secondary is awful now. Uh, not that it was good last, other than Cal Poly in the spring. Uh, in the big sky, but you know, we settled down. Um, so no takeaways on secondary. We can't say the secondary is any better, but Simon Fraser didn't burn us. So like, at least we don't have the evidence that tells us this is, you know, like Cal Poly level secondary from the spring. I mean, at least I, I do have to shout out. I believe it's Sean McCormick. And if the McCormick family is listening, I'm, I apologize. I don't, it's Sean McCormick. He, I, I know what you're going to say. It is Sean McCormick. 
Okay, uh, between Tommy and Sean, I couldn't remember. He made a a beautiful play on a wobbling duck that was thrown well behind a receiver. He read the route perfectly, jumped right in front of it, picked it off. I haven't seen that in a while. So regardless of the opponent, it was nice to see a member of the secondary see something, <laughs> see something and pick it off like that. So one positive thing to say, say about the secondary other than we have zero idea because this team didn't test them once. Chris Hammond is still paying attention, and he uh, thought listeners should know because listeners can't see this si- that Simon Fraser is worse than three year old Aunt Jemima's, or is it Aunt Jemima's? If you're Canadian, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Simon Fraser's terrible. Idaho looked fine. Uh, there's there's no no spot I saw that as a Dallas and I are known as being the guys who are more likely to be a little bit harsh. I saw nothing necessarily be harsh about. Uh, I saw us dominate from start to finish. And honestly, I never thought I'd be bored at a Vandal game because we were winning by so much. But honestly, if we would have passed the ball, we could have won 800 to 12. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I think that's part of why we ran it 43 times, um, which is frustrating. I'm sure six months from now, I'm going to look back on this and be like, wow, really should have looked for a little bit more balance in that Simon Fraser game. Get the get any kinks out of the the passing game. Um, but at the end of the, I mean, honestly, the entire fourth quarter, Simon Frazier was just running the ball just to kill the clock. So this game could have been absolutely much more of a blowout than it was. My follow-up takeaway is we really need to evaluate show format because Chris sending in drunk headlines for us to throw in is, it might be superior for us. We just have two people Chris gets loaded on, if it's not Montucky's, it's whoever's sponsoring us next. And he keeps sending in uh, tweets, direct messages to the show, even self-corrections like he's doing right now. I can't read them all. I don't read that fast. But uh, yeah, we need to look at this show format. So Dallas, other takeaway that Vandal fans should care about is attendance. You tell us attendance numbers and you tell us your, uh, your instant reaction or your interpretation of the yeah. published number. So when we were looking at this before the show, the published number was 5,214. I think that's maybe how many tickets they had sold. I do not believe that was the attendance in the Dome. As we talked about, there was one student section that was full, and it is Labor Day weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of students went home. Um, I, I actually, I know a, a kid, he's a true freshman at Idaho. He went home to see his, his family, uh, just a family friend. I, I, I'm assuming there's a bunch of kids like that. You know, it's, it's a long weekend. I'm going to go see my family because I... This is the first time in my life I've been away from them for weeks at a time. I get that, but it did not bode well for us if we can get 5,200 tickets sold, and I think attendance was probably closer to four. Uh, my my reaction was I'm happy I was paying more attention to uh, make sure my two year old my two month old Jesus two years old my two month old uh, daughter was paying attention to her first Vandal game. Same thing um, at that point. Yeah, I, here here it is. You're right to acknowledge the you know Labor Day. You are right also to acknowledge that Simon Fraser. I just hope that people are fi- that uh, decision makers are figuring out these D two games have just got to go. No one, no one cares. It doesn't matter that we don't have home game for a month. No one gives a shit about the D2 games. And Chris just said Caroline Marceau is undefeated in the Dome. Goddamn right she's undefeated. But uh, 
I mean, that's I, that's that right there. That is the moral of why you you schedule a a D two school so that new parents can bring their newborns from the summer in. They can start their lives off with a vandal win, and then be tricked into learning that it's all downhill from here. You know, that is certainly an option, uh, but attendance wise, this is just why I was concerned in saying we need to annihilate. Um, we need to annihilate Simon Fraser, which we did, is we now have a month of potentially rough time. Even if we look, even if we live in a world where we're going to beat UC Davis on the road, like, uh, you know, huge knock on wood, huge fingers crossed. We still have four weeks of likely non-vandal win wins to talk about um, and, you know, have to have our fan base do on that. So getting the blowout. To me, this is why it's a big deal is I didn't think we for future attendance. Our next home game is homecoming, guys. Um, I for homecoming attendance against Portland State, who is Portland State is not is not going to draw fans uh, the way Eastern Montana, Idaho, You're State, Montana top State. Five big Sky program is not going to draw fans. Sorry, I, I, I dude, no, because I love Colton Juanas. <laughs> Colton Juanas is uh, one of my favorite guests we've had of all time. Colton Juanas is one of the best guys to listen to about the Big Sky. He Absolutely. is he is right about a ton of stuff. He's well researched. He's smart about a ton of stuff. He loves Bruce Barnum way too much, and that is clouded judgment. Colter, love you. Come back on the show. You, you're just wrong about Portland State. <laughs> um, we need to get the win. We need to dominate. We did uh, because I was terrified that we were going to look just okay. And then at looking okay versus D2, then bad versus Power 5 for two weeks is a great way to kill enthusiasm. But the team did what they need to do, Dallas. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, a lot of this is posturing, and it's the, hey, we got to take this with a grain of salt. And, and Brian and I are obviously the, the two most negative people on this pod uh, by a very long margin. We're not negative, uh, we're harsh. You're harsh. I'm I'm negative, I'll be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a 68-point victory uh, that was, honestly, SFU, I think, crossed midfield three times. Uh, and then one of those times immediately had a rush for negative yards and went right back over the line. So at the end of the day, you only, you can control what you can control going into coach speak here. You play who you play. And if you beat the piss out of the team, fantastic. I mean, what we're not going to go make SFU better and just do this over again. Like you, you play who you play. So at the end of the day, we saw a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff that we still have questions about, but, 68-0 is 68-0. That's a fact. And that's why I left uh, Chris's last comment. Guys, if you are listening, you did not get the full scope of Chris as the um, written contributor. And we really need to think about this. Like, I don't know if, if Chris gets sick or like if Chris tests positive for coronavirus and we're all, con- we're all terrified of uh, electronic transmission, which we of course know is how 90% of cases are transmitted. We have to look at, is this format? Chris is the written contributor throwing in hot takes, 25 Montucky's deep while uh, Dallas and I keep going. Um, any any last thoughts, Dallas, before we close the bar? CJ Jordan should absolutely be the quarterback uh, and hashtag let Boris throw. Those are my two thoughts. I'm going to say my thoughts are I can't wait till Chris is on to tell us about actually being inside the ICCU arena. He had some kick-ass pictures he showed us. Um, you guys, the ICCU is everything. Any, every optimistic take people had or had about hoping what the arena would be, it's it. 
I know he had a home run with the ICC arena. Chris actually was inside recently. Got to pick at his seat. I'm going to let him say what his seat means because it might not be what you think it means. But um, arenas kick ass. We got to win. We have a really interesting Big Sky talk to have on the main show this week because of the FBS success of some teams. And uh, Sacramento State picks up a win at Dixie State, which helps my pick them. Um, Big Sky football kicks ass, man. That's my takeaway. This is I, – I love the conference we're in. I love the level we're at. Yeah, I wish there was more money. So in the same way that if we're FBS, we make more money, sure. But in terms of competition, in terms of – being in a league that I care about, that has other people care about it. Big Sky is a kick-ass league, guys. And that is closing the bar. This episode, just like, well, this portion uh, this portion of the episode around the bar, which we did a terrible job introing, brought to us by Hughes, Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River, no return, Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perside Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And now it's time. It's not the best man playing us out, but go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the crowd. I'll just out there living the dream. Caught up one and only Moscow drink.